The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is no substitute for professional care by your doctor or your qualified healthcare professional. Never disregard or delay professional medical advice because of something you've heard on this podcast or in any linked material. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. Dr. Shirley neither endorses nor opposes any particular opinion discussed on this podcast. The views expressed on this podcast have no relation to those of any academic, hospital, practice, institution, or other entity with which Dr. Shirley may be affiliated. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty. This podcast is curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD, as the definitive source of holistic wellness through beauty. This week's episode is dedicated to transformation. Welcome to my interview with the fabulous Laura Geller. The title of this episode is Finding Your True Self Through Beauty Transformation. Well, what's love got to do with it? Someone famous did ask that, and I think she even sang it. Everything. (laughs) Love's got everything to do with it. From an early age, Laura Gella has had a love affair with beauty. Born and raised in New York City, she loved how one of the neighborhood mothers made her up and did her hair for special occasions. It was so transformative that Laura Geller thought she needed to do the same for herself and for others. Her passion led her to become a successful makeup artist. She first made a name for herself in New York, doing theatrical makeup for Broadway shows. From there, she went on to work with celebrities and socialites and worked on network television, providing makeup for shows on CBS, The CW, HBO, The Today Show, and many more. She subsequently launched her own makeup studio, Laura Geller Makeup Studio, on the Upper East Side of Manhattan in 1993. (laughs) Although she found stratospheric success, As a makeup artist, at heart, she's a teacher. It was her devotion to making makeup work for real women, every woman, that led her to create her own beauty brand and launch it on QVC over 20 years ago. That is absolutely epic. Laura is a board member of the CW Foundation, the nonprofit organization that created the Cancer and Careers Program, which is dedicated to empowering and educating people with cancer to thrive in their workplace and beyond. In 2011, she was also honored by the City of Hope in recognition of her generous support of multiple cancer-focused charities. In 2012, Crane's New York business recognized Laura as one of the top entrepreneurs of the year. Her list of accolades is voluminous and long, and she has gratefully agreed to share time with me today on the Forever Fab podcast. She joins me via Zoom to discuss everything beautiful. Welcome, Laura. Congratulations on all of your success. And thank you so much for becoming a beautiful member of the Forever Fab community. Welcome. Thank you so much. What an introduction. (laughs) I said at one point, is she talking about me? Yeah, (laughs) talking about you. Thank you kindly for that introduction. It was lovely. Thank you so very much. So shall we get started? I'm excited. I can't wait. (laughs) Great. 
Um, you pretty much put makeup primer on the radar. So tell me what led you to create the cult fave spackle. Oh, I'm so excited. You asked right out of the box. Yes. The most important question for me, because it really is my first baby that I've ever really created. And I will tell you that it all stemmed from, you know, I was taught and trained in theater and film makeup because we were taught not to put anything with emollient on the skin in order for the makeup to last under hot lights and long days. Mm. And so we would do makeup, every makeup artist who worked in TV and film, and you wouldn't put anything on the face, but you'd go dive right into pancake makeup and heavy foundations. And it was just so difficult because women were looking dry and they weren't looking good on camera. And there's a tongue in cheek expression that so many of us have used through the years. And they would, we would say things like, you know, I need more than makeup today. I need some spackle. Uh And one of the very famous broadcasters that I was working with said it to me one day. And I thought I had this moment somehow when she said it, it was that aha moment where I said, I can't keep doing this to her skin she's looking dry. She feels dry. And I went to a lab and I said, what if we could create something that hovered on the skin and created a second skin, the silky canvas, but didn't allow the makeup to penetrate or, you know, disappear, which is what happens if you put makeup on top of moisturizer, your skin is thanking you for moisturizer. And it's saying, I'm going to, I'm going to penetrate your skin surface. Let me take the makeup in with it. And so I really developed this deck of ingredients that together worked in harmony so that you could wear makeup on top of a beautiful, smooth skin, but not worry about it breaking down. That's how that whole story came together. Therein lies the name Spackle. I wasn't such a genius. It was something so many women would say, Um, but I did have to buy the rights. Yeah. From, the paint, from the paint company to use the name because it spackle is what we use on the wall. So I couldn't use the name without buying the rights. Interesting. Well, I mean, I just agree with you. I think you are a genius. And speaking of genius, I mean, I mean, to take something that you hear every day, all the time, you put it on the wall and then to completely transform it into something transformative. I, I would qualify that as genius, Laura. Oh, I, I wish I had known that it was so smart back then. I would have... <laughs> I would have planned it out differently. You know, it's, it's so, I really sort of paved the path for the category. I wasn't the first, but I was one of the few. And now, you know, you say primer and people say, yeah, I know what that is. Yeah, of course. Exactly. Um, But they didn't then they definitely didn't. Well, thanks to you. And again, speaking of genius on another level, your website is genius. It features every woman of every shade and has something for every makeup style, whether you want to go subtle or full on glam. And your models are now exclusively or have been exclusively over 40 years old. Why do you feel that it's important to address the needs of every woman at every stage of her life, especially women of a certain age and for every mood? Yeah. Listen, you know, I always said that when I create makeup, I'm creating it for every age, you know, for every ethnicity, for every socioeconomic background. And I still maintain that. And that is important to me. 
But I think when you, as a brand, understand who who she is, who your customer is, you have to speak to her. And we did a whole brand dive um, into the demographics of the Laura Geller customer. And we realized that not just in the world of makeup and hair and skin, that, you know, models are being used all the time because it's aspirational. And let's face it, no matter what age you are, you want to look like a model. Absolutely. But we realized, you know, while it while it helped and it worked, it wasn't who our customer was. Mm-hmm. And we thought we want to represent and show who our customer is, who is every woman and every age, um, but certainly a woman more of a mature age. And we have made it our brand focus and initiative, and we've been getting tremendously positive feedback about it. Well, kudos to you for doing that research and helping women of a certain age and of any age, frankly, not only to be seen as they wish to be seen, but also to be heard. So congratulations to you for doing that. (laughs) You've done makeup on women from 19 years old to 90 years old. So when in your experience, does mature skin respond differently to makeup? And if so, how are the needs of mature skin different from that of a younger person? And did you have to adapt your formulation specifically for the mature skin type? Yeah, we did. We actually did. You know, uh, being a woman of a particular age myself, I'm 63 now. Congratulations. Thank you. You know, I have to tell it you. It doesn't look like a day over 40, just throwing in. Okay. Yes. And I'm going to add, I'm going to concur with you, Gabrielle. And that's a professional opinion. Thank you very much. No consultation fee required for that please, one. Please, please stop swelling <laughs> the head over here, girlfriend. <laughs> you know, I have to say, I think the edge I had, honestly, was that I was doing makeup since 18 years old. So when I was 18, in my 20s, even in my 30s, I don't think I understood. I mean, I could do a pretty makeup, but I definitely didn't understand what she at 60 or 70 was feeling like when she put on her makeup. Mm -hmm. I always use this example. I remember doing a woman who was going through menopause and I had finished her, almost finished her makeup and she started to perspire. She was having a hot flash. And I thought, Mm. what the heck is happening? Like she's going to, all the makeup's going to come off. And I was like fanning her and I wasn't as empathetic as I should have been to myself. She didn't know. After that, by the way, I got little fans for every little booth in my makeup studio (laughs) so that all the work would not be for naught. But one thing I think I have an edge about is that, yes, your makeup does have to change. You do have to pivot how you do makeup on someone and how you do makeup on yourself. And you get drier skin. Yeah. This, the muscles of your face are so, have softened. Yeah. You, you know, there's so many things. So yeah, you do have to tweak it. And I found myself developing more preparations that were creamier, more hydrating, um, were more malleable so that they would move with the skin. So that if you had beautiful wrinkles and smile lines and all the things we've earned from the years and knowledge we have, you could wear makeup get the coverage you need, but you wouldn't see it on because it moved with your skin. So we have been working on those formulations for quite some time and we keep doing that as well. Well, that's very intelligent as well as thoughtful. So thank you. Sure. 
And Fran Drescher is your brand ambassador, the new face of Laura Geller makeup. Now, besides the obvious, and I understand she was recently nominated as the president of SAG. Is that correct? Yes. Can you believe it? Oh my it? gosh, that's incredible, incredible. Oh, so, bes- right, besides the obvious, what specifically drew you to her as a representative of your brand? I think it had a lot to do with the fact that she is, she's actually my age and she looks terrific Yes, and she is aspirational because she takes such great care of herself. She looks great. She's humble. She's real. And, you know, I think it's important to spotlight women like that. And she is also a native New Yorker. You can't miss it. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I felt this kinship with her. Um, and, you know, she really is the real deal. I mean, every single member of my team that's had an interaction with her comes away going, oh, my God, I, you would never know that she's such a well-known celebrity because she is so humble. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, we we are so fortunate that we were able to do a collaboration with her. That's fantastic. Well, she keeps it real, and so do you, Laura, truly. Yeah. And in terms of keeping it real, how do you innovate your products? Like, describe your creative process from mm-hmm. what or where or whom do you derive inspiration? Probably the hardest thing that we have as a company is product development. You know, I always say it's now 24 years. Yes. It's there's, I can't even think of something. I wish somebody would tell me, I bet you never did one of these. Mm. I can't think of anything that we haven't already created and brought to the marketplace. Yeah. The only thing that can change with those things that we've brought to the marketplace is perhaps ingredients, which of course there's more breakthrough ingredients, there's more updated technologies, different delivery systems, how you put it on your face. But where I inspire and where I collect my inspiration is really from the passion of understanding how women make up their faces and what their needs are. Like I truly know that I am no different than anybody else. Yes, I can do makeup. Um, As an artist, I can do it easily. But when I sit down in front of the mirror and I'm not going to a function and I don't need to do a full face of makeup, it's what little can I use to look as good as I can, as quick as I can get out of the house. (laughs) And, or as quick as that doorbell rings and I wasn't expecting anybody. Right. Um, (laughs) And I really develop products. I think about like, okay, well, guess what? If I'm going to put eyeliner on, it better be like an eyeliner. That's like really richly pigmented. That doesn't fade during the day or won't transfer under my eyes or on my hooded lid. Yeah. So how do I find a formula you know, everybody says it's waterproof. Well, guess what? We've even created waterproof pencils that disappear. Wow. Um, and we broke the ceiling with a formula in our iCajal pencils that people still say to me, what is it that's in there? I go, I don't even ask because I don't even really know what it is. <laughs> it's, you know, so it's little things like that, or it's getting feedback from our Geller gals and guys yes. who write to us and or review something and say, I wish you would do it this way, you know? Um, and, and I go, can I, is that really, does that have merit? 
you know, um, let me look into it. So that's really where product development is such a challenge, but also so much fun. Yeah. I think that engagement that you have, that social engagement lends itself to your creative process. And I actually think that that's beautiful because then your, your customers feel as if they are actually a part of the brand because you've listened to them and you've incorporated their ideas. So kudos again to you. Thank you. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I remember like when I had my studio on the Upper East Side, the thing I loved most was getting real-time feedback mm-hmm. from my customers about my products, what they wanted, how they felt after they were made up by me or my artist. And then when I went to QVC and there was no such thing then of social media and right. feedback or reviews, I, I think my biggest panic was I can't talk to her. I can't hear back from her. I can't, mm. I don't know if she's happy with this. Like, and it was so frustrating other than a phone call maybe that I would receive. So I, where social media really is, is a big, you know, um, a plus for us today is things like that. I yeah. mean, that's what I look forward to. So it has, social media has indeed transformed your business. You agree? Big time. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. We get, you know, it's funny because I'll, I'm the first to admit it and be totally honest about this. We posted something recently on social media and we used Jane Fonda and we talked about how great she looked when she was young and how she looks now. And we know she's, uh, I think she's, I don't remember how old, I think she's close to 90. And, um, and I was reading the comments from women and I thought, wow, they're misinterpreting why we did this. Yeah. And so I spoke to my team and collectively we had a meeting and we took down the post. I mean, that's how disturbing it is for us, for anybody to misinterpret what our messaging is. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So we can do that in real time, thanks to social media. Indeed. And you started your business and ran it by yourself for many years. I'm sure that was exhilarating and challenging at the same at the same time. But now it's different. You have a team. You have, I mean, you you run your beauty mogul. What would you say if it weren't social media, but what would you say was a game changer for you and your business? Was it social media? Was it QVC? Was it having the team? What was the thing where you thought, oh yeah, I, I have arrived? Yeah, it was QVC. Mm. It was definitely QVC. You know, listen, um, I I had a store. We were busy. I was successful, but I was working hard and I was working long hours. And not that that ever stopped happening, but instead of dealing with one on one, I was now dealing with one on ninety million. Meaning, wow. you know, QVC reaches ninety million households, and Incredible. so I I am an educator at heart, and I love teaching makeup to women, and sometimes. I'll talk about it. And I don't even realize that I'm educating. I don't even realize that I'm breaking it down and making it simple for somebody to understand. It's because I come from a place of education first about it. Because to me, why would you buy my product unless you really understood what I was saying it is and how it could help you? And if you did not have success using it, like, you know, what's the point? And so you know, when I had the opportunity to go on QVC and speak to a wide reach of people and get the kind of response from more than one at a time, it was the biggest game changer of my life. I never planned that. I didn't know that was going to be the trajectory that I went on. And 
I am so grateful to QVC. It is the biggest life changer for me ever. That's fantastic. Well, let's stay on the theme of teaching just for a, a couple of more questions because I love teaching. I love being taught. I love learning. So who or what would you say um, was an unexpected teacher along your career path? You know, I would have to tell you, <laughs> my father, may he rest in peace. Wow, really? Um, no, no, actually, he he was one of the teachers, but my father, may he rest in peace, kind of chuckled when, when I mentioned who it was to him because we had come out, this is decades ago, obviously, and we had seen Mr. Holland's Opus, a great movie. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, you know, Mr. Frank, the owner of the beauty school that I attended in a little suburb of New York, was my sort of mentor. He saw something in me and my father chuckled and I was like, no, dad, I'm serious. It was the owner of the beauty school. And it was because, you know, I did not go to college. I loved the business of beauty. I was, I didn't know it could be a business. I just loved it. Mm -hmm. I was more creative than I was academic. And I went to see him and he saw something in me and he said, you know, you have a great gift when you talk. And, you know, through the time I was there, he understood that I didn't get out of the program what I hoped to. I really kind of only learned hair design and got licensed for that. And he made it a mission to teach me how important it is to have an identity in your line, whatever you're creating. It doesn't matter if it's makeup, it could be jewelry, it could be cooking, it could be crafting, you know, um, what makes you different. And I, I kept racking my brain when he would ask me the question, I was like, what are you talking about? Like what makes me different? And, um, I think the combination of one being an educator and two loving people and being, having the great gift to gab was gave me a leg up for sure. But then over the years, finding the brand identity. Mm. And that was what really set our brand apart from a lot of others. That's really, he was my inspiration and and pushed me to do it. Wonderful. And who or what has taught you the most, let's say in the past um, two years? Yeah, let's say two. I would have to say my marketing team. My marketing team is pushing pushing the envelope with me all the time and getting me out of my comfort zone sometimes. I mean, if you follow us on Laura Geller Beauty. I do. You know, they come to my home and they'll spend two to three days, long days. <laughs> we do videos and they have me doing the silliest things. And I'm looking at Sarah, who heads up our marketing team and going, please tell me how this is relevant. Please tell me why this is going to look good in the end, because you just handed me a baton and asked me to twirl it. I don't get it. Yeah. And then the next thing I know, I see the footage edited and I go, oh my God, you're brilliant. And so, you know, I may kick and scream a little bit like, oh my God, another long day, but she may be along with her team, some of the best marketing executives that ever worked at Laura Geller. No kidding. And I, I'm, I'm stopped about it all the time. Like, who's doing that for you? Is that an outside agency? Can you give me their phone number? I'm like, nope. 
<laughs> I know. I, I, I kick and scream all the time with my production team. They're like, Dr. Shirley, we need more video. I'm like, yeah, no, that doesn't make any sense to me. Nobody wants to see me putting on, you know, moisturizer. Everyone knows how to put on moisturizer. Well, and I think it's that, you know, you say that, right? And it's it's so simple to us and we say it all the time. And yes, maybe everybody knows how to put on moisturizer, but they want to hear it from you, Doc. They do. <laughs> they want to hear you. And by the way, speaking of you, like, like that voice, I mean, you should be doing voiceovers in addition to what else you do. <laughs> thank you, you speak so beautifully. I'm oh, so enamored you so with much. your voice. I'm oh, so impressed. Thank you. thank you so very much. I appreciate that. That is unexpected for me. I, I actually, um, the team knows I don't even listen to the reviews of my own podcast because it's like, oh my gosh, I hear myself talking all the time. I can't take it. <laughs> I, I understand that. I do. I understand that. Now, how important, you said you have the gift of gab. How important is the art of the sale? You would think that in an age of technology and social media and every, you know, and this app and that app, is there truly still power in personal selling? Yeah, I think so. You know, um, I'm a daughter of, uh, uh, really, he was a, a salesman. And I think, you know, I'm watching my son who is only 21, but I see that he already has that gift. I think by osmosis, when you mm. grow up with, you know, whether it's a sibling or a parent or a grandparent that had that skill set. Yeah. I do think there's a lot of power in the art of the sale. Yeah. But I think the power, and I think you will definitely agree with me, I think everybody would agree, is in understanding what you're looking at that's intriguing you and understanding why you need it. And so sometimes you don't even have to be a born salesperson. You just have to believe enough in your product that you created and not be a talking head for it, but really love it enough and be passionate about whatever it is you're exhibiting, showing, however you're doing it for other people to respond and find it contagious. I do agree with that. And to be able to love what you're doing or be interested enough in the other person or the person opposite you to be able to understand where they're coming from. I I do think there's a chemistry in that. I do agree with you. Thank you. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, it's uh, a quick side note was that when I did makeup at my makeup studio and I interviewed artists to work for me, the first thing I would look at is, you know, are they a people person? Are they more interested in themselves or in the customer? Mm. And I knew who was going to be successful and I hired accordingly because if the person was only going to talk about themselves, they were never going to learn about who she was in her chair and never understand how to really design something for that person's needs. So it is important to care about the people who you're working with. And that shows that you believe in that. Thank you so much. Yes. You've been listening to part one of the Forever Fab podcast with my fabulous guest, Laura Geller. Stay tuned for part two. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty, curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD. Live beautifully and help make the world a more beautiful place.